Greetings. My name is Griffin Schaefer. And my name is Scott Peterson. And this is episode 59 of Inside Quizzing. A podcast about Bible quizzing for folks who love the Bible. And in this episode 59, we will be conducting our last material overview of this quizzing season. We will be talking about Second uh, Peter chapter 3 in all its 18 verses of awesomeness. And then we're going to be talking about some various different subjects and things, some announcements around what's going on for next season in terms of material and so forth. And we'll be talking a fair bit about virtual quizzing, uh, both in terms of philosophy. I guess that's not really the right word. Um, theory, theory, that's the better word. We'll be talking about uh, virtual quizzing ter in terms of theory versus practice. And by practice, I mean not actually practice, but actually doing it. Uh, because we're actually going to be doing virtual quizzing in PNW this weekend on Friday and Saturday. So very exciting and slightly scary and terrifying and interesting, all kind of rolled into one. And we'll also be talking about uh, some of the details around the rules and process for virtual quizzing. And then we will enter into what might be a silly question, but I think it's a really important question. And we're going to be talking about, is Bible quizzing a sport? Uh, around ideas of, well, what does that mean? What does sports mean? And how is Bible quizzing a sport? Why would some consider it not to be a sport? And the debate therein. All right. So with that being said, let's dive into Second Peter chapter three. And Scott, what are your thoughts on our last chapter of the season? It's only 18 verses. So this is one, if you're a reference quizzer to just go crazy on, especially if you're confident in being able to read the Quizmaster's Inflection. Those are always really, really fun chapters to just pin your ears back and go right on that uh, saying of the word verse because you could get enough and um, know what verse number it was. And all the verses are really pretty short, so no problem there. Some cool phrases in there. Dear friends, you must understand by the same word. Nope, not by the same word. That same word is a unique phrase. The day of the Lord, everything will in verse 11. 14 has a lot of potential reference questions that you'll want to know how you will quote through it with, so then, dear friends, you are you are looking forward to make every effort to a lot of possibilities there. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. So half the verses are key within PNW. A lot of spread of global unique words and chapter unique words throughout. Um, I haven't scrutinized this for multiple answer questions, but... It really follows a lot of the same pattern. Very, very unique, not very long, and all kinds of uniqueness spread throughout. Yeah. I don't have too much to add. It's not quite as unique as Chapter 2. Uh, in, in, you know, 2 was a particularly key, I keep saying key, particularly uh, unique, wordy uh, sort of uh, chapter. This one is a little bit more standard. Uh, verse 16 is a little bit on the longer side, especially when you pair it up with uh, 15. So that'll be a nice uh, challenge for folks who are focusing on the KVL. Uh, but it's uh, a fairly easy uh, chapter to memorize, a fairly easy set of verses to memorize there. So yeah, other than that, I don't think I'd have anything specific more there's i mean a couple of couple of good multiple answer opportunities but i mean these are fairly obvious uh you know verse six uh time was what um that sort of thing um or sorry no that that wouldn't be there it would be uh, uh by these waters also the world of that time was 
what? No, I guess it would work. Okay. Sorry, I had to say it out loud for me to be able to follow it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else particularly interesting. It sort of feels like ending on a little bit of an anticlimactic note. Uh, but uh, th- chapter three seems almost sort of um, slightly anticlimactic in its quizzing nature, even though it is very climactic in its theological nature. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of these ending chapters can get lost in the shuffle. I definitely knew Second Peter less well than I knew First Peter, which I knew less well than Hebrews. And it just shows how, as the year goes on, it's hard to keep up at the same level that you were studying at when the year started. But it also shows how pure repetition on the early material just solidifies it uh, over time. Yeah. Well, all right. With that being said, let's move on to some other topics that we've got here. So the first one are a series of announcements that we're going to be talking about here. So the first one, and I almost feel I shouldn't announce it, but I don't like keeping secrets, so I'm going to announce it anyway. The Matthew material, so the material, the memorization material, the marked up material and so forth is available. Uh, this is the material for next uh, quizzing season. It's available on the cbqz.org website. It's also available inside the CBQZ app, so you can use it within the app right now if you wanted to write questions, I suppose, for Matthew, or you can download it from the cbqz.org website itself um, in PDF and HTML and Excel and Word and a few other sort of formats, I guess. I forget exactly what all it's there in, but all of that is available. That being said, you probably shouldn't do that until you've got, uh, you know, Hebrews first and second Peter totally in the bag. Um, and at this point, I know we had some pretty, you know, uh, nest last, um, last episode, we had some pretty sad news about meet five, uh, in person being canceled for PNW. And I don't know if we mentioned it in last episode, but, but great West, unfortunately has been canceled. Um, did we mention that in last episode? I don't remember Scott. I don't remember, but it was only one week ago, so I feel like we probably did. We probably did. It's literally every day. It just seems like it's blowing past in a very time is very strange right now. I don't know. Is it is time strange for you? It's definitely very strange for me. Oh yeah, it's very. It at times it goes very very slow, and at times it goes very very fast. So it's it's hard to have the normal signposts of time that you have when you have uh, more routine in daily life. Yeah. Are you, are you working from home now? I am working from home now. So I have almost nothing to break up being at home. And so it all feels like one long day. Yeah, indeed. And now, and originally you were actually commuting into an, a shared office space, right? Correct. Yeah. And of course, traditionally I've always been, well, not always, but I mean the last, I don't know, for 14 years, I guess I've been working from home. Um, maybe it's been more than that. I don't remember exactly, but I've been working from home for uh, a number of years, a, a pretty long time. But even, even in that sort of state, it just feels weird. Like, like, uh, my whole family is home all the time. They don't go out of the house, uh, for anything. Um, uh, my family is involved in Bible study fellowship, but they now do that at home via zoom and so forth. And, uh, I mean, we're doing a lot of family sort of time activities and uh, that kind of thing and keeping ourselves occupied. But it definitely just, it just feels weird. Time is definitely feels like it's moving both faster and slower. Um, 
yeah, definitely very strange. So yeah, if we didn't announce it before, um, certainly, uh, in PNW, I've announced it, uh, to the email list and out on Facebook and, and so forth that, you know, meet five, of course, is, is canceled. Uh, well, sort of, it's been being replaced with a virtual quiz meet. Uh, great West, unfortunately, is, uh, canceled. And we are, uh, at a point where we are going to have to, unfortunately, cancel district championships, which is deeply sad. Uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, it's deeply sad that we were going to miss out on, uh, hanging out at Dallas together. Uh, super sad we were going to miss out on commuting over to, you know, Canada, uh, our neighbors to the north and experiencing a wonderful time, uh, up there with quizzing. And, uh, really sad that we're going to miss out at least for the short term, uh, this season on being able to quiz up at Double K. Uh, rec- uh, Christian retreat center and camp up, uh, in the Cascade Mountains. Uh, and I was, I was really looking forward. I was really, really looking forward to all three of these meets, uh, for different reasons. And so it's just, it's super sad to see those sort of in-person opportunities, uh, unfortunately have to get bypassed for right now. That being said, I am in, a pretty routine communication with, uh, the double K camp. And we are going to try to, uh, use the camp for some sort of meet next year. Uh, the schedule, our schedule and their schedule are not really lining up right now. So we might try to make it work for something like a scrambled meet, maybe the October meet. We're just, we're just not really sure right now. We're just trying to, we're trying to figure out how our dates can align so that we can, we can make it happen. Um, so anyway, um, more on that when I have news on that. So, uh, with that being said, we do not have an in-person meet, uh, in four days down in Dallas, Oregon, but instead we are going to have a virtual quiz meet. So the virtual quiz meet will be pretty close to the same thing. It'll be Friday and Saturday, March 27th, 28th. Generally speaking, we're going to kind of sort of be mostly the same sort of time frame. So Friday, uh, late afternoon, uh, into the evening and then Saturday in the morning and then wrapping up probably early afternoon, that kind of thing. So, uh, not a ton of time, probably not quite as long of a time as a normal quiz meet, but generally following the same parameters. So of course, one of the big things coming up, the uh, registration deadline is tomorrow. So today, as we were recording this, it is Monday, uh, afternoon, evening, uh, a few days before the meet, uh, Tuesday, tomorrow evening at nine, uh, in the evening, uh, Pacific daylight time is the registration deadline in terms of like any kind of changes that churches want to make to their lineups. We, we postponed the, the deadline cutoff for that because a, you know, we weren't going to have any, uh, overnight hosting that needed to be taken care of. And B, we, you know, because of that abrupt sort of change from in person to remote, we wanted to provide churches the opportunity to kind of change their teams around a little bit. Uh, and they can, of course, do this. Uh, because this meet will not count for year to date averages or anything like that. So in terms of, you know, locking, uh, certain quizzers into their teams, that just kind of all goes by the wayside. Some other things that are going to be a little bit different about the meet, we're not going to have, uh, adult quizzing. 
Uh, you know, certainly we're not going to be eating lunch together, these sorts of things. So, um, but we're going to try to have as much fun and keep as much of the spirit of a quizzing meet alive as much as we can through the process. So I'm going to have the draw and roster published by Wednesday. At least that's the plan. And we'll just kind of see how things go as we proceed on. Oh, and, and one other thing I should mention, we also have, uh, I posted, uh, on Facebook and on the email list, a, um, a reference to a document that's on our website for everything you could ever want to know about virtual quizzing, which is not true. It's actually a summary document. So there might be things that, that you actually want to know about virtual quizzing that are not in the document, but it's essentially a list of processes and rule sort of amendments that we need to, uh, I think adopt to be able to make the virtual meet experience uh, successful. So with that being said, um, Scott, have you had a chance to kind of review that uh, virtual quizzing doc at all? Do you have any thoughts on it? Unfortunately, I, I read it in about 60 seconds, so I don't have any comments to offer. <laughs> all right. No, wor- no worries. So some of the big stuff here, I mean, for quizzers, it's really not going to be that hard. I mean, you're, you're going to need to have some kind of laptop or desktop. You can technically use a tablet or a phone theoretically, but it is practically much harder to be able to participate effectively if you're on a device like that. So find yourself, you know, a laptop or a desktop or something along those lines where you can participate. You'll need to have uh, some kind of headphones. They can just be, you know, earbuds or or any kind of sort of headphones that you can use is fine. And a mic that is attached to the device. Now, this can be a webcam mic. It can be, if you've got a laptop, it could just be the standard mic that comes with the laptop. It doesn't have to be anything special, uh, but just something that's attached there so that, you know, we can hear you talk. So with that done, you then would connect up to our uh, Slack channel or, or our, our Slack instance, I guess, the forums. And there's a couple of different channels uh, that you can participate in. You definitely want to be in the virtual meet channel. Uh, and then for sort of any sort of general discussions uh, unrelated to the uh, virtual meet, you can do that in the general channel. And then what will end up happening then is pretty much everything else is going to be handled by the quiz masters. So the quiz masters will create Zoom rooms, uh, a Zoom room per quiz, and then they will take those uh, links, URLs, and they will drop those into the virtual meet channel on Slack. So as long as you're following that, you'll get a link to, okay, here's the next, uh, you know, the link for the next quiz, here's the link for the next quiz, and so forth. You'll also be able to follow along on the schedule, because all of those documents will be online as well, and we'll have links to those you know, in the, uh, in the channels as well. So then you get a link, you click on it, it opens up zoom. And, uh, for quizzers, what you need to do is set your name and you'll set your name to be your team name. So ABC two, XYZ one, whatever it happens to be. And then your first name and last name, that, that will be your official name within the, within the actual zoom window itself. Make sure to mute your audio, but leave your video turned on and then open up your your chat pane window and officials will will do a slightly different incantation of those uh, instructions uh, so for quizmasters and scorekeepers and so forth they'll operate slightly differently now for spectators you can participate well not participate you can spectate 
these virtual quizzes as well. So this is not just for, you know, Quizmaster scorekeepers and quizzers only. If you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you're just a spectator, you want to like root on a team or something like that. Well, not root them on audibly, but, but, you know, you know, in your own, in your own private way, you can observe <laughs> the quiz. Uh, so just go ahead and log into the same link, but make sure that your video is turned off and mute your audio and you can absolutely lurk and you can uh, watch the proceedings and, you know, very silently cheer on uh, whoever you want to. Although, although I guess if you're muted, you can be as loud as you want to. It doesn't matter as long as nobody else on the call uh, hears you or on the Zoom uh, thing hears you and so forth. Uh, Quiz-wise, that should generally be how things work. We're gonna we're gonna uh, if quizzers and coaches definitely take a look at the virtual quizzing doc to make sure that you're gonna follow procedures in terms of how to jump. Uh, make sure you're aware of how that's going to work. There's basically you just type some stuff into the chat window uh, and then be prepared to hit enter when you're ready to do a jump. Uh, in terms of rules, we're going to have to do a few things a little bit differently here. And this is really kind of a it's kind of a working draft where basically these are the rules that we're going to go with for this weekend. But. If we hear a whole bunch of feedback on Friday that like, you know, this one rule doesn't work and we need to do this other thing, or there's a missing rule that we really need to implement and it's called this, then we absolutely will consider that, right? Uh, so this is, this is really a work in progress and we're just going to kind of see how it goes. Nobody's, as far as I know, I don't think anybody's ever done a virtual quiz meet before. So we're kind of in you know, new explorational territory here. So we'll just kind of th see how things work. So quizzes need to start on time, regardless who is, who, uh, who is actually in the zoom meeting at the time, just so that we don't fall way behind schedule and we don't let technical glitches delay things by 15, 20 minutes and so forth. So at the same time, there is a recognition that, uh, somebody's, you know, local Wi-Fi could go out there an internet connection could go out, that kind of thing. So, uh, there's a rule in place that quizzers can come and go from the Zoom meeting without impact to anything that's happening within the actual uh, quiz itself. So if your internet goes out, the quiz will just continue, try to get yourself back uh, into the quiz, that kind of thing. But it doesn't harm your team, right? So if, you know, in a normal quizzing experience, if your team is there and you're not there and they start the quiz without you, and you show up to the quiz room and they want to sub you in, your team will lose the 20 point, uh, 20 point starting bonus. That does not happen in virtual quizzing. So if for whatever reason you can't get connected to the meet or sorry, into to the quiz on time and you're able to get there, you know, on question four, you can just immediately start participating. You don't need to get subbed in or anything like that. So that's just sort of normal. That being said, substitution still could happen. So I don't, I don't think we have a team of five, but if there is a team of five, you can really only have four quizzers quizzing at any one time. And so coaches, you will need to still be responsible for subbing folks in, but you can call for substitutions in the normal way that you would call uh, for substitutions. There are no timeouts because we can't make that work. Uh, but so as a coach, if you, if you're just like, I want to sub, you know, uh, bib three for bib five right now, just go ahead and call it out. Or you can have the captain uh, call out the substitution. So the captains can call for that uh, as well as coaches. So that is a little bit different um, and a little bit weird, 
but go ahead and do it and we'll, we'll just kind of roll with it. The other thing is because of the, the whole sort of internet, internet isn't a hundred percent for everybody We're you know, there's captains and then there's co-captains, but if a captain and a co-captain are both somehow not able to be actively participating for whatever reason, uh, then just anybody on the team can essentially become the acting captain. So if you have a captain who's absent, a co-captain who can't, who's having technical problems, the next person in there, just your, your captain, your acting captain to be able to do things like, uh, issue, uh, substitutions or, uh, call for challenges or thing, that sort of, uh, nature, uh, protesting is just not going to be a thing because I can't, I just, I couldn't figure out a way to make it work. Um, so we're just not going to do, uh, protests. That being said, a lot of grace is asked for from everyone, uh, coaches, quizzers, and especially officials. So we're going to handle it that way. And then in terms of challenging, one sort of big thing is, is no, normally in the ch- a challenge situation, a captain will stand up and begin thinking, which is a quiz master's indication that there might be the need to challenge or there might be a situation to challenge. So the, the quiz master will just pause and wait, uh, hopefully. Well, if you're on a, uh, a video conference, that's a fairly difficult thing to do. So instead, if you are a captain or an acting captain, and you are thinking that you want to challenge, or you might challenge, you are considering challenge, unmute and say the word challenge. Now, that doesn't mean you're actually challenging. What that means is you are contemplating challenging. And the quiz master might say something like, okay, uh, so, so-and-so is is contemplating challenging or something. And we'll just wait. And then at that point, you have a chance to think about it. And then you can either do your may I challenge, or you can just simply say, you know, I withdraw. And, and that's it. And a withdrawn, not a withdrawn challenge, but a withdrawn statement of the word challenge is not considered a challenge in and of itself. So you will not be deducted points or anything like that if you're, if you're withdrawing the challenge in that, in that capacity. All right. So that's the sort of the big highlights there. Um, so Sky, I mean, you're going to be handling our, our stats in pretty much almost exactly the same way that you normally do, but I mean, Based on this, what are what are sort of your initial thoughts? I think it's very interesting observing what things need to either remain or change the same because of the difference in logistics. Like, we don't really care about quizzers showing up late anymore because there shouldn't be any disturbance to the quiz, which is the only reason that we care about them to begin with, right? If quizzers could just show up and leave with absolutely no disturbance to the quiz, then I don't think we would really care. Right, there'd be no need for um, a bonus for being on time, um, and that's kind of the case here. And I think that's interesting. I also like how you're doing the challenges where the quizzer has to say something, but they'll say something repeatedly until it is verbally acknowledged, and it almost has a, in a good sense, a military feel. Right, where this is important enough that there is a callback to acknowledge that it was like a command or a request was understood. Um, I just. I find it very interesting when platforms or contexts change and you get to analyze what needs to change or what needs to stay the same or what is now obsolete or no longer needed. Yeah, it is interesting. I That's an interesting idea. I actually didn't think of the notion of the disturbance of the quiz as being the issue 
or, or the, or the motivation for making the rule change about quizzers can come and go. It was truly based on the idea of, I could not conceive of how I could, how it could be reasonable to penalize a team if a quizzer's internet went out for like a couple questions and then came back on. And, and I certainly wouldn't want to penalize them, but I also at the same time, I, I definitely don't want to hold up a quiz. If like you've got 12 people, uh, 12 quizzers who are connecting to a quiz and one of them has technical difficulties, like that could just destroy the pacing of a quiz and could destroy like the entire experience. So it was almost a, like a, I don't know, a choice of necessity. Uh, but it, uh, in the rule, but it is interesting how it kind of plays into that. Well, do we really care? Um, and it, is it really, is it only the disturbance? And it's kind of like, yeah, maybe it is only the disturbance that we care about, which of course wouldn't happen in this context. Yeah. I mean, I can't really, I mean, it's nice to encourage everyone to be on time just out of a common courtesy. And maybe we have a penalty just because you didn't abide by the common courtesy. But I think when, it, when the rubber meets the road, we just, don't want to unnecessarily get behind the schedule because someone was late and the team was like, Hey, can we just wait two minutes? They're almost here or something like that. Uh, but in this context, they can just show up silently and everything continues and we don't have to care that they were late at all. And their only penalty is not being present for however many questions they were not present for, which also exists currently. But I just, I find it interesting what we deem essential. I think this is a rules thing, but I don't think any rules around substitutions need to exist in the rule book. I think there are times that we have rules to encourage a kind of behavior, which I bet you that's why the substitution rules are in there. If you take a quizzer out who has quizzed out, they cannot uh, return. Even if late in a quiz, you may actually want them in the quiz for bonuses compared to another quizzer, right? But I think the rule is written to encourage coaches to have other quizzers remain in the quiz. But I don't know if a rule book should really be encouraging or discouraging that sort sort of behavior. It's really a coaching decision, and I think things would be simplified if there was no sort of a sub-out quizzer has to sit out for three questions and unless they're coming in for an aired-out or quizzed-out quizzer. And similarly, a quizzed-out quizzer who leaves the stage cannot come back, but if they remain on the stage, then they're fine to get bonuses. It just seems like unnecessary complication, which in the realm of virtual quizzing, any 20-point uh, team bonus would also be in the realm of like unnecessary complication. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I contemplated in drafting these up, um, I mean, I, so, so, this doesn't count for anything in terms of year to date averages. So, you know, I sort of had this free hand, uh, well, sort of a combination of things. Number one, this isn't an official meet in terms of it counting for anything. Therefore, the rules changes don't have to go through the, you know, the steering committee. At the same time, uh, Jeremy, uh, our fearless leader of the steering committee, or sorry, the, the, not the steering committee, the, um, the rules committee. Sorry, I'm getting my terms mixed up. Uh, so the rules changes don't have to go through the rules committee because it's not an official meet. And our fearless leader of the rules committee, Jeremy, is, uh, being new dad, uh, and at home and is not involved in quiz. Well, I mean, he's still involved in quizzing, uh, because he's a quizzing addict like we all are. Uh, but he is in, investing the vast majority of his focus and attention on, uh, being a new dad, which is awesome, uh, supporting, uh, his wife and new kid. And that's, that's totally cool. So, uh, I sort of had a bit of a free hand here to kind of just throw these things together. And part of me really, 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 really wanted to implement the, uh, fourth quizzer bonus is actually 
you know, an, an additional 10 and the fifth quizzer bonus is yet another additional 10, kind of like some of these rules that we have been talking about, sort of fantasy rules that we have been talking about in previous podcasts. And I, I came awfully close. I will admit I came very close to, uh, inserting a couple of these things, uh, to try to encourage sort of depth of bench, uh, involvement in virtual quizzing. But I figured, no, I just, let's keep it minimalistic. So I basically went the other direction and said, like, what is the least amount of rule changes that we can do to basically make virtual quizzing plausibly successful? And then we can always just iterate and add things later, uh, if we, if we, as we discover things. So with that being said, I mean, Scott, is there anything in this document that you either disagree with, or you're kind of like, I don't know if that's a good idea or like anything that you see missing that should get added. I'm really interested to see how the logistics around answering a question work as far as jumping and being recognized and quiz master prompts and the 30 second time limit. And really those things, everything else I view as pretty extraneous and extending a little little bit of grace here or there for substitutions or challenging or things like that, I think will just kind of work themselves out. So I'm very interested to see how the tech works. I think it, it'll be a wonderful test to, like even though we did a test, to do it for real and see how it works. Yeah, definitely. Well, and we are not the only ones interested in seeing how this works. There are actually going to be observers from multiple uh, other districts uh, who are actually going to be actively observing uh, at least portions, if not the entirety of the meet. Certainly the first few quizzes on Friday and probably the last few quizzes on Saturday as we get toward the virtual championships for the virtual meet on Saturday. Uh, we're actually going to have folks from at least three and I think possibly as many as six other five or six other uh, districts are actually going to be observing kind of quietly in the background. So if you notice some folks, just some names that you don't recognize hanging out in the Slack channel or, you know, in one of the quiz rooms quietly, just kind of observing, right? Uh, those are, it could be somebody that is in PNW that we just don't know. Uh, it could be a parent that we haven't met before, or it could be somebody from one of these other districts who are, you know, very interested, uh, uh, I don't want to name names, but I know of of many district directors who are interested in what we do because they may try to do something similar themselves. And so this is kind of a big experiment. It's it's um it'll it'll be fun. I hope it'll be fun uh for us to go through and PNW and rewarding for us to go through. And we're kinda we're kinda like the guinea pigs, I guess, for doing this across other districts. So what we discover could be useful for other districts to try something like this. Uh, themselves. So yeah, that's kind of cool. It's really, really cool. And if it works out well, it, it would be interesting to do another PNW meet this year with every experimental rule that we can fathom. Ooh, I would love that. That would be fun. Like, hmm. You could, ha you could have quizzers and teams opt into certain configured quizzes. Like this is the fourth and fifth extra bonus quiz. This is the um, 30 point question quiz. You know, things like that. Okay. See, this is dangerous. See, we need to, we need to reach out to Heather Hobby and see if she'll, uh, quiz master because she, I think she would <laughs> have so much fun, on, uh, just, you know, with some of these sort of edgy, uh, edgy rules that we could implement. 
Uh, my mind is starting to get blown. And you, you could probably get some volunteer question writers to come up with questions that they deem to be worth 30, 40, and 50 points. Ooh, golly. See, that's interesting. So like, if we were to, if we were to actually have questions, question difficulty factor into, uh, factor in, well, would we do it based on, it would have to be based on type alone, right? No. I mean, there are many ways you'd have to do it. And I, I was just throwing out 40 and 50 point, which I, I don't think we've ever really discussed, but I do think whatever extra point questions that you have, you need to have the same number of them in each quiz. Oh, but yeah, I think absolutely. If you, if you were just doing one test quiz, there's no reason you couldn't just decide to have two 30 point questions, two 40 point and two 50 point, And it wouldn't be determined by the type alone. It would be a single question that would be designated with that point value. True. So it would be true. like this, this chapter verse reference just happens to be a 40 point question. Like it has been deemed so. Or this quote, yeah. quote, these two has been deemed to be a 30 point, you know? Yeah, definitely a lot to think about. Um, there's definitely something very interesting to think about. And I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I hope that internationals happens. Uh, internationals is an eternity away from now in, ter- in terms of, you know, how the virus is, you know, happening and the news that's coming out about all the sort of things that are going on therein. Um, so you know, it's, it's difficult to imagine what the world is going to be like two weeks from now, let alone, you know, two months from now, or I guess, wait, more than that, April, June, April, May, June. So three and a half months from now or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, three months from now is an eternity away. So hopefully we can have internationals, but if not, maybe we can do, I don't know, funner nationals, if that's a word. Oh, I feel really bad that I just said that out loud. There's got to be something better that we can come up with. <laughs> better than Funner Nationals? <laughs> yes. I'm sure, I'm sure that, that our listeners could come up with something way better than Funner Nationals. Okay. So if you have an idea for a name that is better than Funner Nationals, please email us at iq at cbqz.org because we should never ever call this that. So. All right. That said, well, that said, though, Griffin, it is very difficult to just come up with a name for like a fun internationals out of the blue. But now that you have introduced something with a nice low bar, it is easy to have the straw man of like, okay, I need to come up with something better than fun internationals. I think it's an easier route to a good name. Well, if there is anything that's important to know about me, it is that I can set initial bars very low. Um, so yeah, if, if anybody ever needs an initial bar set very low, give me a call. I can be that person. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on, that, on that, it, it, on that bombshell, how about we move on to the great, uh, debate? Although it probably isn't going to be much of a, de- a debate between Scott and myself, but maybe we'll see. Uh, the great debate of is Bible quizzing a sport? Now, of course, my memory is absolutely, you know, frazzled beyond all belief with everything going on. Have we talked about this in a previous podcast? Maybe vaguely. I don't have a strong memory of it. I do not have a strong memory of it either. All right. Well, with that said, Scott, what do you think? Is Bible quizzing a sport? Um, I'm doing a quick, no, the only two other times that the word sport appears in our show notes are um, whether challenging and protesting are sportsmanlike or not, and sports being one activity that can um, keep quizzers from participating in quizzing. So I don't think we've discussed specifically if Bible quizzing is a sport. And I don't know, I've always felt like this is a weird argument to have over a group or team activity, 
like there's a desire to elevate certain activities over others. And I think if you wanted to, it's people are often arguing about apples and oranges. I think if you wanted to say which individual or team activities require the most impressive or rare physical abilities, then you could have a discussion around that. I happen to think that sports like tennis and soccer are among the most impressive just on pure physicality and endurance, and um, they're crazy sports to watch, even more so than, say, baseball or basketball or football or golf, where the uh, there is a level of skill that is highly specialized, but it may not necessarily require the absolute best athlete. Um, though now that I'm thinking about specifically basketball and football, there are some pretty incredible athletes in those sports. But people, I think people tend to downplay the mental aspect of sports that are highly physical, like most of the ones that I've mentioned. But similarly, I think people will underestimate the physical aspect of sports that appear to be highly mental, like chess or Bible quizzing. And I don't know that a difference in either physicality required or mental aptitude is that a, is aptitude probably um i don't know if the amount of each that is required is what determines whether something is a sport or not it just seems like a weird discussion to have so i would definitely call bible quizzing a sport and i would be pretty liberal with calling things a sport because um i mean there's a sport that's I think it's called wife tossing, where the husband tries mm-hmm. to throw the wife as far as possible. Um, I mean, you can. There's the sport where people race down a hill, and I, be, I believe Ireland, but the hill is at such a degree that at some point everyone just ends up falling and tumbling helter skelter down. The, so I mean, there's all all <laughs> manner of things that I would be inclined to call them sports, and maybe they would be some percent less of a sport by some undefined definition, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, of course, there's a couple of things that rattle around in my mind on this topic. One of them is just going to Webster's or whatever particular dictionary you want, Oxford's, uh, if you want to. So, sport, an athletic activity requiring skill or prowess and often of competitive nature – such as blah, 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 right? Uh, so an athletic activity requiring skill or physical prowess. So athletic is kind of the key word there. Uh, or then number two, a particular form of this, especially in the outdoors, which I'm like, what? No. Okay. But then the problem becomes, but who is that? Is that really the definition? Like, is that because, okay. So. My, this, this, this whole topic came up because, uh, some quizzer somewhere, I think it's a quizzer. I hope it's a quizzer, uh, has this, uh, account on Facebook called Bible quizzing memes, which are just like roll on the floor funny. Uh, some of them are just like crying funny. Um, they're just great. I love, I love following, uh, this account. And one thing there was, was making reference to is Bible quizzing a sport and that kind of got in my head. And so that's where this topic kind of came from. And so in response to that, I pointed out, well, okay, here's the thing. The International Olympic Committee looks at chess and considers that a sport, right? Now, they don't even qualify it. I don't even think they qualify it as a mental sport. They just, they just say it's a sport. 
and they they consider it that right and chess is not physical it's not athletic it is entirely cerebral i mean there's a physical component of like okay yes you're you're moving your hand over and t- picking up a piece and sliding it somewhere and then hitting the button on your clock or something but this is not what we would call you know, athletic or anything like that, right? If, if somebody was, let's say, you know, physically disabled in some uh, capacity where they couldn't do this, but they could still, uh, mentally, you know, uh, understand and compete, uh, uh, in the game of chess, I, I cannot conceive of a situation where there would not be an exception to the rule of you must take your hand and move the piece and hit the clock. Like you could speak your rule, your, speak your move and somebody could, could physically move the move for you or something like that and hit your clock. And it would be considered equivalent, uh, in the sport of chess. So clearly we're talking about chess as a cerebral event, right? It is a cerebral activity requiring significant skill, right? So if chess is a sport, then Bible quizzing absolutely is a sport, right? Because if you take now, I would say like, on the scale of cerebral to physical, right? Quizzing is not chess, but it's on the chess end of the, of that scale, right? It's more cerebral than it is physical, but there are still physical components of it that are very, very physical and very, uh, and I don't mean that to mean excessively physical. I mean, they are, they are physical more than they are cerebral, right? The idea of finding the exact point where you're going to jump from your seat to be able to have that sort of hair trigger, uh, to be able to watch the, 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 the voice inflections or, or the, the lip movement of, of a quiz master to anticipate and to understand pacing and so forth. There's a lot of combination there of the cerebral with the physical, but the physical cannot be uh, ignored. Right. And so like one of the big sort of like it probably the biggest reason why we are going to be doing virtual quizzing that doesn't count for year to date averages. One of the biggest reasons is not the only, but one of the biggest reasons is that the sport of quizzing, the physical nature of quizzing is fundamentally different. There's, there's no physical jumping from seats, right? It's just pressing the enter key, right? Um, that's very different. And I know we've talked in the past about the idea that quizzing someday is going to have to do away with seats and is going to have to go to, you know, push button, uh, the push button experience and so forth. Um, and that would be a, a different kind of sport, right? But the idea of saying that sport can only be athletic is, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm highly biased here, but it's hard for me to, to follow that argument. I think that's what most people mentally think of when they're talking about is something a sport, like how athletic or what level of athleticism is required. That's why people have, I mean, one of my favorite sports is golf. And for the longest time, people have said, it can't be a sport when you have like these very out of shape guys with beer bellies who are good at it. Like that's not indicative of it being a sport, which is showing the definition that they are using, right? Like it has to be a upper echelon kind of 99th percentile, um, at, you know, body slash athletic ability, um, to be good in something for it to be called a sport, which I mean, I guess you can create that definition if you want, but I would, I would hold something to be much broader, and I don't really feel the need to create a division between activities that are highly, highly physical and activities that are highly, highly mental. 
Yeah. I wonder if it's, um, I wonder if this whole argument comes down to the notion of like, uh, cerebral sports recognition as taking away from the physical sports representation. I don't know. I mean, were, when you were in, were you homeschooled? What did, what did you do for high school? Yeah, I was homeschooled. You were home through, through high school. Um, I was not, I went to, uh, AC Davis High School in, uh, Yakima, Washington, go pirates. And, uh, you know, there was the phenomenon of the Letterman jacket, right? Um, so I was actually in several different sports. I was in, uh, track and field, uh, cross country and cycling. And I was really, really, really into cycling. And I, but we didn't have a cycling team that was associated with a church. So in track and field, I was okay. Um, I wasn't great, but I was okay. Um, in cross country, I was, I don't know, probably slightly better than okay, but not that much more than okay. So in no, in no case would I have, you know, theoretically lettered in either of those sports, unless I did them. I think it was like you had to do them for all four years or something like that, or maybe three years to be able to letter. I forget exactly how that worked, but I mean, it was, it was, it was a ways out. I could have lettered in cycling, but we didn't have a cycling team associated with the school. It was a sport that was not recognized, um, by the school. Uh, and so despite the fact that I was very, very heavily involved in, in cycling, uh, I, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to letter that way. I lettered, uh, scholastically, uh, I lettered, um, cerebrally. And there was this weird sort of, um, I don't know, cultural weird vibe thing of like, oh, well, he's cerebrally lettered. He didn't athletically letter. Therefore, it doesn't mean the same thing. It's like in a, in a second class. Um, it's subordinate to ours, which is, you know, we are the gladiators of the football team or the, or whatever it happens to be. We didn't, we didn't have a very good, uh, football team, but it was okay. I mean, I, I'm not trying to disparage the, the team at all. They, they did what they could. Um, but there, there was definitely sort of this weird class thing that was there. And so I wonder if there's kind of a, if some of these sort of sports arguments are sort of things from the seventies and eighties, uh, kind of tr that, that maybe existed even into the nineties, but kind of trailed off in, in our new universe where cerebral excellence is, I think, more prized by society than physical excellence now. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but what do you think? I mean, like, it's hard to say because I think both are celebrated quite highly, but there's definitely been a shift in the kind of working and employment landscape from physical physical ability and skill to mental ability and skill as uh, technology has has advanced. But it would be interesting if that if like those realities about a society are mirrored by that society's um, labeling or um, holding up onto a pedestal of ability in sport, whether it, you know, kind of maps to more mental or more physical based on what is more praised in the society at large. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the mapping, it might actually be there. It may be a core, like a lagging uh, correlation, right? So I'm thinking of, you know, back in the sixties with uh, Bobby Fisher, I, I can't imagine I, I, well, okay, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think, Chess was considered by anybody a sport in the 60s, uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, I wasn't around in the 60s, and of course, I wouldn't, I don't remember that far back. Uh, 
but now it certainly is, at least by, you know, the International Olympic Committee considers it a sport. So, I mean, maybe the, the definitions are shifting over time. Uh, they're just sort of a, a lagging corollary. That could be. Well, it sounds like we are not in very much disagreement here. Um, Bible quizzing is a sport and, you know, so say we all, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think that's totally fine. Well, with that being said, uh, so I want to just sort of remind everybody, uh, if you are hearing the sound of our voice and you're not listening to this podcast, you know, several months into the future from now, uh, but are listening to it in a recent uh, sort of capacity, be uh, please stay inside. Uh, well, not at stay inside. That's not what I mean. Uh, keep the usual social distances. If you can work from home, great. Do that. If you can avoid going to school, uh here we go. <laughs> Don't stay in school. Drop out of school, kids. Uh, do your school remotely or from home, if at all possible. Uh, social distancing above everything else. Avoid groups, if at all possible. Hang out with your family. Great opportunity to do some more board games and, you know, movies with your family and activities and crafts. My, my kids are totally into crafts now in a, in a big way. So it's, it's a, it, it can be a, it can be a good thing what we're going through, uh, not just a weird negative thing. Uh, so take the opportunities to do the positive stuff. Uh, you can get out of the house, just stay away from other people. Uh, keep the, what do they call it? A, a, um, a vulture wing span distance from everybody, like a couple meters di uh, distance from everybody when you're outside of the home and you can do that. I would recommend that you generally, if you're, if you're leaving the home, generally try to do sort of naturey kind of things, a walk in the park, a, a walk around your neighborhood, that kind of stuff. Going to the store is a little bit harder because there's a weird thing that humans do. We like to touch things. Um, and we don't even, we're not even like aware of it. Like we touch surfaces and then we touch our face and it's like subconscious. So it's very easy to kind of do that when you're in sort of a, a location like a grocery store or like a bookstore would be another one. Uh, so tend to avoid, avoid those sorts of activities, but you know, stay strong, uh, communicate as best you can. If you are, are inclined to the, uh, P and W Bible quizzing, uh, Slack forum is not protected. It is, um, it is public, uh, in the sense that like, if you, uh, are invited to join in, if there's a link that you click on to join in, you can, uh, and, uh, if so, I encourage anybody who is into quizzing at all to join the Slack channel and strike up conversations there. You can do it in the general space or have private conversations with people. So just a way to stay connected uh, during this weird time of sort of fast time and slow time uh, as we kind of wait out the clock uh, in, in isolation. All right. Well, Scott, any other parting thoughts from you? I got nothing. I'm All short right. on thoughts this week. <laughs> All right. Well, it may be the isolation. That's probably what, what's going on there. All right. Well, with that said, I uh, want to remind everybody again, please email us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, IQ at CBQZ.org. That email address goes to both Scott and me. And we love hearing from folks. And we uh, try to be very responsive when there are questions or disagreements that come in. And if you write us an interesting email, we will talk about it on the next podcast or one of the next podcasts uh, that come up. And you can also follow our Twitter account. It is at inside quizzing and the Slack channel. So the, the Slack forum that I was talking about that P and W is hosting, 
we have a channel in there called uh, Inside Quizzing. So you can join that and you can ask us questions and we will be monitoring that as well. So with that being said, stay safe, everybody. Uh, blessings. And uh, thank you, Scott. And thank you all. Thanks for listening, everyone. And get excited about virtual quizzing. Mm-hmm.